Welcome to the Weight Loss Podcast, where we offer solutions to the obstacles you face when it comes to achieving your health and fitness goals. As a married couple who's lost a combined weight of 100 kilograms and 11 clothes sizes, our raw, real, and relatable stories will show you the path you must walk to achieve, and more importantly, maintain the results you know you can reach, because we know it works. So get ready to share the success and show the results with your hosts, Matt and Courtney. Hello and welcome back to the Weight Loss Podcast or welcome for the first time Is this if this is your first episode. I'm going really well in this introduction. Opposite me as always is Matt. Yeah, I'll take over from you. <laughs> Not one of my best introductions but we're flowing right through into it. Uh, probably about your average. We're going to go... Going to go straight ahead and we are going to be talking about our series that we are episode number six, in, seven, don't know, should have looked that up before I mentioned it. But anyway, uh, this is our series on success leaves clues. So today we have got another interview for you. This is a banger. You this is say. a fantastic interview. Or as we've, we say here, rip snorter. We've always said they're fantastic interviews. Well, if they weren't, we wouldn't do them. But this one, I think you will get a lot out of. Well, this is a, this is a story you don't hear very often. No. At all. No. And I, I, it's really brave of Kane. So today's interview is with Kane. Mm-hmm. And it's really brave of Kane to be happy to talk about this and to put this out there because I think the reason you don't hear a lot of it, not because it's uncommon, but because people don't really talk about it. I would say both. And I think that the biggest thing really in Kane's story is, Matt, I think you'll agree with me, is not his physical transformation because he has had a fantastic physical transformation, undoubtedly amazing. His before and after pictures are just incredible however the real story is the transformation of Kane well said and I think that this is where I love these interviews because if you just saw Kane's photos you would as he is now you would just think well well, you you would assume well you would assume that he's just an active, fit guy who's always been like that. But I think even if you saw then his before and after photos, you would think, oh, wow, he's had a great transformation. But it doesn't give you any sort of context into what mental um, and lifestyle transformation Kane has gone uh, through. It's, it's, I can't think of a, a better transformation inside and out that I've ever seen. Yeah. In terms of basically this dude should be dead. Yes. Or should be in prison. Yes. Or possibly both. Yes. And now he's a leader of people. Absolutely. And a, a legitimate role model. And obviously a legitimate nice guy. Yeah. And he is indeed happy to talk about his story, but it's one that like I it spins me out every time I talk to him about it, mm. every time I hear it, because it's like, holy shit. Yeah. Like I, I, I have, we all have our own backgrounds. Yes. This is something that just blows me away. Yeah. In terms of, in terms of <clears throat> the homelessness. Yeah. So Kane had a, 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 a very hard upbringing. The hardest you could possibly think of. The drugs, the crime, the alcohol. The homelessness. So in our chat, Kane is going to be taking us through that. Yes. And how that affected him and how it still sort of affects him now. How it still affects him now, but ultimately how is this guy able to beat the odds Yeah. to to get to where, not not even just get to where he is now, but to actually have uh, a full life, mm. let alone a life where now he runs his own business, he's got a wonderful supportive partner, uh, he leads others Yes. To change themselves as well. Like it is, it's just remarkable. So I think it really puts perspective on the title of our series, which is Success Leaves Clues. Yes. And I think that it's so easy within any sort of transformation because it is long and it is very hard to get caught up in thinking that you're the only one that's gone through this, that this is the biggest problem in the world. But it gives, it, it did for me, mm. and I, w- I won't sort of generalize and say it's going to do this for everyone, but it did for me, gave me a lot of perspective on the little things and the struggles that I go through to think, 
well, it's probably not that big of a deal, Courtney. And I know that's different for everybody, but I that's what I took and I take a lot from Kane's story. What I what I take from it is in line with the title of this episode, which is your past does not define your future. Yeah. So just because, and I think this can be applied to literally everyone, no matter where you've come from, no matter what the struggles you've had are, that doesn't need to inform what you'll be moving forward. To me, and I think Kane illustrates this as good as anyone, your past can inform what you move away from. Yes. Or I know for me, in my case, what I no longer wish to be. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it doesn't. It's it's not a it's not a life sentence. No. You know, so I think without further ado, let's get into it because this is this is a, a must listen. As much as any episode we've done is a must listen. Yeah. This is, I think, the most must listen just because of where he's come from. Yeah, absolutely. And, and as you said, Courtney's willingness to talk about it. So let's shut the hell up. Let's roll into the interview and we really hope you enjoy this. Absolutely. All right, we are here. Well, I'm here. Courtney's here. Hello, Courtney. Hello, I'm here too. Fantastic. Thanks for confirming that. You're welcome. (laughs) And joining us is the man, the myth, the legend, the one and only Kane Patterson. G'day, Kane. How are you going? Good. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. It is a great pleasure. Uh, Kane is one person who I often say should either be dead or in prison or possibly both. Uh, (laughs) And somehow he's not. Kane's story is, in my opinion, the the very different definition of what it means to transform yourself both inside and outside. One of the most remarkable stories I've ever heard in my life, bar none. Courtney, I'm sure you can agree with that. Uh, absolutely. Uh, so, Kano, no pressure, champ. You just got to uh, deliver here with uh, with what I just pumped your tires up with. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> but Kano, could you, we'll start, Kano. Can you just, like I've just said, you, you, you by rights, you should be dead or in prison or both. Like, why? Like, where do you start? Where, where, were, where were things at the beginning for you? Um. Well, the easiest way for me to explain it is that I was born into a, a family that was not very uh, nice. Uh, it was broken and torn apart by drugs and crime. Um, and, yeah, it, it's not an environment that kids should be in. Uh, there was a lot of, like, uh, bikies and stuff around. There was a lot of uh, very unscrupulous people. Um, and then from a very young age... Uh, I was taken off my mum because she would overdose wherever she may have been when she was doing it, and we were put into foster care. And then, yeah, from there, we spent, jeez, uh, 15 years, I think, in foster care, and then created my, well, I fell into drugs and crime myself, uh, even though I hated it so much because of what my mum put us through um and then yeah that's how, how old were you when you put into foster care the, the short of it how old were you when you put into foster care uh first time we went into foster care i was one and a half i believe um yeah so an environment of drugs and violence we're talking a lot about drug deals drug usage drug so, abuse everything you can think of yeah okay drug, drug. so Pretty much as much as my imagination can go. Uh, yeah. So I always say to people that it's think of something you've read in a book or seen in a movie that's far f- like you wouldn't believe, and that's probably what it was like. <laughs> and that's from obviously the earliest of ages. Yeah. yeah. Right from when I was born, I spent the first, I think it was about six months from what I've been told, um, going through withdrawals. So we were in hospital, me and my brother, and... Um, yeah, we had to be sort of weaned off whatever drugs mum was taking at the time. Wow. So this pretty much started for you, like I suppose, really spiralling out from like less than two years of age. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> How old are you now? Uh, 33. Okay. So it wasn't that long ago, really, but it's been uh, from pretty much from, from the crib. Yeah. So you, you said that you got into drugs and crime yourself. Can you just give us a bit of detail on, on what was involved there? Uh, the process of how it happened? Yeah, and what were you doing? Um, well, so I, I'd been in and out of foster care my whole life. I, I can't remember how many foster homes exactly, but it was around about 25 or something like that. Um, and never really uh, 
had a sense of belonging or, or felt like I belonged anywhere, you know what I mean? Like I was always moving and stuff. And then when I was uh, 14 and a half, 15 around there, I got the, um, the option to move back in with my mum if I wanted to or I could stay with uh, the family that I was with. Uh, unfortunately, I made the wrong decision. Uh, and when I moved back in with my mum, although before moving back in with her, she seemed like she'd cleaned her act up and she was all right and she was on the straight and narrow, uh, quickly found out that that wasn't the case. And I stopped playing golf, uh, which I'm very upset about. Uh, I stopped going to school. I started drinking. I started experimenting with drugs. How old were you when uh, this then- was happening? Uh, between this is sort of between the ages of about 14 to 16. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I always say to people like I, I was experimenting with drugs and alcohol and stuff, but my addiction never really took off until I was about 16. Uh, it really started. I started going hard if you want to call it that. <laughs> what, what do you mean by hard? Uh, it was becoming more than just a once off thing or a weekend thing. Or it was becoming more of a, you know, every second day, every day, uh, having it multiple times a day, it started to get to the point where I was dependent on it in a sense that I needed it rather than I wanted to have it for fun. Um, I always said that I was, I was in control and I knew when I could stop and I could control it, but I wasn't. (laughs) So what were you taking? Uh, at the start it was, uh, speed. So my mum gave me my first taste of speed. Uh, her reasoning was that she wanted me to do it at home where it was safe and she could look after me. And I don't know how that plays, but yeah. Uh, and then from there, I went into the more hard stuff like cocaine and stuff like that. Uh, started smoking a bit of weed when I wanted to come down off everything else and go to sleep. Uh, and then once I was old enough to sort of go into clubs, I started taking pills and pretty much anything else anyone would throw at me. <laughs> yep. Was your alcohol involved too? Oh, yeah. Al- alcohol was never really my vice, though. It was yep. like something that I had while I was taking drugs. Like an accessory? Yeah. Yeah, it was everyone else was drinking and I was that high. I was just like, yeah, I'll drink as well. So, <laughs> so um, would I... <laughs> Will I be correct in assuming, as dangerous as assumptions are, that at this time when you were hard into it, like exercise, good eating, good habits, et cetera, weren't, weren't a thing? Uh, does head banging in a nightclub count as exercise? <laughs> Some people, it probably does. It, it is movement, isn't it, really? It is movement. Yeah. Uh, but- no, there was, there was no exercise. Uh, Pretty much as soon as I moved back in with mum, I stopped any form of um, exercise or anything like that. Uh, healthy eating was, <laughs> yeah, sometimes I wouldn't eat for like four or five days on end. Wow. So, yeah. What did, um, did the drugs affect your appetite? Um, some, sometimes it got to the point where I was that high that I, and I was drinking that much that I just didn't want to eat. Uh, other times it was, I didn't have money to eat or I wasn't living at home. So there was no food available. Where would you have been living? Uh, wherever I could find a place to sleep or stay or, you know, crash. Mates' couches, um, home uh, on the streets, park benches, parks. Uh, yeah, wherever I could sort of <laughs> lay down and be safe in a sense. And so this is what, late teens, early 20s? Uh, well, the first time that we were homeless, I think I was about four and we were, we were sleeping in, um, the Salvo's bins. So me, my brother and my mum, um, that's what my brother's told me. I can't remember it, but from what I've been told that is, uh, and then yeah, through, I think about the age of 17, right through to 27, there was... Like I'd, I'd be homeless and I'd have to stay on a friend's couch or sleep on the streets or find somewhere to sleep, uh, find, you know, try and find some way to eat. Um, I did try and work during that period, but I couldn't hold down a job with my drug habit and my addiction. Yep. 
at the time, like around about this time, would were you happy? Were you unhappy with how things were in your life? <laughs> um, I, I was definitely unhappy with the choices that I'd made. Um, but because of my childhood and everything, it was it was normal to me. It was what I knew, and I was. I know this may sound weird from what I've just said, but I was comfortable in it. If you know, that she doesn't sound weird at all. No, cool. <laughs> no, well, I mean, if you're in a situation that the life you've led has always been around it, then it's not out of the norm to you. Yeah, well, I suppose it's your normal, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. A lot of people always say to me, "Oh, it, it must have been very hard for you growing up." You know, I'm, I'm always like, "It didn't." At the time, it didn't seem hard because it's just that's how it was. It's, well, you're born into it. Yeah, yeah. It's just like I, I guess you know, it's like someone who's born with a with a physical disability as opposed to someone who develops one. Yeah. Later yeah. in life, it's like well, the person doesn't know what it's like not to have that disability because they were born with it. Yeah, hundred so, percent. It's the same sort of thing. You've been born into a situation that to you is normal, and to to me is very foreign to anything I grew up with. Yeah. But it's a different situation to I was born in. So, no, it makes total sense. So, Kano, question for you. Back then, what was your mental health like? <laughs> it's it's only recently that I've really started thinking about what it was like back then because back then I was on that much stuff and there was a lot going on. I didn't really think about whether I was depressed or anything like that, but when I look back on it and I start trying to blog about my past, uh, there was definitely something there because of the childhood. But I think through what I've been through growing up, I've, I've developed like a, a shell, if you want to call it that, where I just, I, I bury things down very deep and I just, I try and power through things. Um, and doesn't always work the right way because sometimes I fall into like, um, what do you call it? Stages where I'm just that depressed. I don't do anything except for sit in my room. But yeah, back then, I think the drugs were making it uh, hard for me to fall victim to any mental illness because I was mm -hmm. I was taking that much of them. Is that does that make sense? Ah, uh, yeah, it does. Yeah, cool. It does to me, Courtney. Yeah, no, it does to me too. So at what point, Kano, would you say you were at the lowest point? Did anything stick out? <laughs> there, there was a lot of, lot of times where I was at a low point. Uh, the, the main one, the one that sticks out the most to me was I was in a pretty bad position and I wasn't working and I was jumping from mate's couch to mate's couch, couches. Sorry. How old were you then? This was around about the age of 23, 22. Yep. And um, I was out at a club with some friends and I ran into a mate of mine, a very good mate. Um, and he pretty much just said to me, I don't I don't want to hang out with any, you anymore. You're scaring me. You're getting too bad. Um, bad in what way? Uh, bad. Like I was, I was slipping back into taking a lot of drugs and um, partying all the time, not working just slipping back into the worst of it. So you said you said slipping back. Were you making improvements before then? Uh, I had. Uh, around the age of 20 when I, uh, about 18 to 20, sorry, when I moved in with my nan, I made some good progress uh, in cleaning myself up, but it didn't really stick. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, I sort of, made my nan's situation a lot worse. Um, I was I was living off her and because I couldn't hold down a job still. And yeah. Why do you think that the uh, the improvements you were making didn't stick? Um, I think it was because I went the whole hog and just tried to quit everything at once. Um, ah, all or nothing. That sounds like doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, I'm not not someone who can do that. I have to take my time with things, uh, as most people do. Yeah, Courtney, I think we can agree that's uh, most people, especially in our experience. Yes, definitely. Yeah, it becomes uh, too hard. Like I can't go from, well, no no one can go from doing whatever they're doing that they've done for years and years 
to just stopping it straight away. Like it, yeah, it doesn't work. <laughs> Especially when it's like a, a well-entrenched behavior or well-entrenched habit or belief. Yeah. Well, I was going to say it's, it's different as well. People can't do that with habits, let alone addictions. Yeah. Um, and they're very different things. So yeah, if, if, if it doesn't even work for people in just generalized day-to-day habits, like it's definitely not going to work for us. For entrenched addictions. Yeah. You just made me think of something, Courtney. I wouldn't mind getting getting everyone's opinion on this. Like, Courtney, you just said habits and addictions are very different things. Are they? I think they are. Personally, I don't know uh, the definition of both of those words. But to me, I guess it's the way you, you, you view each word. But to me, a habit can can is, 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 can be used in very broad terms. Something as simple as brushing your teeth at night um, to... The fact that every time you're upset, you might turn to the same chocolate biscuits sort of mm. thing. So, I mean, I think those are the sort of habits that come to mind, whereas then an addiction tends to be something a little bit stronger even than a habit. What do you think, Kana? Mm. Yeah, that that's a very good um, description of it. It's like a, a habit is something that you do uh, sort of without thinking and it's something that you've learnt over time, whereas an addiction is something that you have to do, if you get what I mean. Ah, okay. Yeah. It's yeah it, not... becomes a, it becomes necessary to function yeah, sort yeah. of with an addiction, whereas a habit, if you forget to brush your teeth, you're still going to function. Oh, so I, suppose mm-hmm. it's, I suppose we're talking about dependency really, aren't we? Yeah. Correct, yeah. Okay, yeah. okay so you, you, moved in, you moved in with your nan. Obviously, there was a decision there to leave, to leave home. Mm-hmm. Uh, not my decision, her decision. It must have been... A really hard one for her to to kick me out. All right, so you were actually kicked yeah. out of home, and your nan took yeah. you in. You were making some progress. Oh yeah, and- sorry. <laughs> yep. He was kicked out of his grandma's home, Matt. No, sorry, I'm talking about when he first moved in with his grandmother. Yep. Right. So your mum kicked you out. Uh, my mum kicked me out ages before I moved in with my nan, and I okay. spent I spent a, about a year and a half, two years living at mates' houses, living on couches, doing what yeah. I could. Yeah. Uh, and then my unfortunately my pop passed away mm. uh, and I, tr- I moved back in with my nan uh, to help her out. Or I wanted to help her out, but I didn't end up helping. I just ended up hindering her more. Because of, of your addiction? Yeah. That yeah. couldn't hold down a job. I was, uh, when I tried to get off everything, uh, alcohol became my vice then and I would be drinking a lot. So uh, she was paying for my alcohol. Uh, yeah. So pretty yeah. much just swapping one addiction for another. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So um, what uh, you, you know, let's just, I suppose, circle back. When did you hit rock bottom? Uh, so I was talking about it just before we started talking about Nan, about um, being at a club. And my mate telling me um, that I don't, he doesn't want to hang around me anymore. He, I'm scaring him and stuff like that. Uh, it must have been very hard for him to say. Um, considering I, I was on a four-day bender and don't remember anything from those four days except for this one moment. Yeah. Um, I don't. Every time I tell someone, they're like, "Oh, it must have been your subconscious just saying you you need to remember this moment." Um, so, what do you think? Uh, I think it's true. Yeah. Mm. Like uh, friend, friends have always been closer to me than family are. And uh, Nick Nick was a very close friend of mine and I've known him for years. And, yeah, I think it was just my mind going, you, you need to remember this moment because it's a pretty important one. So, so he drops the bomb on you. How would you take it yep. at the time? I was in a club. I I can't really remember how I reacted to it. I probably went, oh, yeah, whatever, cool, and went off and kept partying. Um, But when I got up a couple of days later, uh, I could remember it and it was playing on my mind. And I I do believe that that was the defining moment that started my recovery. Um, Did you make a, a conscious decision to start moving forward or was it something that just sort of developed out of this over time? I uh, don't really know. Like I, I'd, I'd been wanting to change, mm. but I, I 
guess I was scared of changing, uh, trying something way? new. Okay, so I was scared of uh, failure, scared of success. Yeah, yeah. Well, both. Like I'd never uh, known what it was like to be a normal functioning member of society. So mm. to give up drugs and get a job and start taking responsibility for myself kind of <laughs> scared the shit out of me. Is there like um, a fear of the unknown? Oh, definitely. Yeah, like I didn't, I didn't know that life. I didn't know how to be uh, a normal person. Yeah, it's hard as well. I think when you, I think this this can, like I think most people can relate to this. When you want to, you want to improve something, but because you haven't done it before, you can't visualize what it's like. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So to me, and you told me, I wouldn't mind getting getting um, your opinion to you. To me, it's like trying to look to the end of the tunnel, but there's no light. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I think I think as well, Kane, what you're saying is like you're afraid of not only succeeding or failing at one thing, but I think it's added the pressure that you didn't know what it was like well, you wouldn't have known because you didn't even finish high school, then you would have been worried that you wouldn't be able to get a job. You don't know what it's like mm-hmm. to manage a bank account even let alone you know how do you how do you even try to rent a house how do you do these things that I guess you take for granted when you grow up in a situation where those things are just normal parts of life and we as children Mm -hmm. see maybe your parents go through it things like this so then you learn that way whereas you're you're in in a situation where you haven't had those things taught to you growing up and you haven't learnt them, so you're yeah. at a you're at an age where most people are getting married and having children, and you're having to think about how do I manage a bank account? Yeah, how do I do the the most basic of things that other people can do very easily? Yeah, how yeah. do I hold down a job? Or how, as you said, how do I get a job? So yeah, yes. Now I've um I've seen photos. I think. Both Courtney as well. We've seen photos of you uh, back when you were around that age or so. Kane, you were a bit of a skinny oh, yeah. guy. Very skinny. Uh, so no one would have accused you of uh, getting into the gym regularly. No, maybe CrossFitter. But... <laughs> <laughs> no, no, definitely no gym. Well, that's what happens then. when you don't eat. <laughs> yeah, when you're taking uh, excessive drugs and not eating, there, there's no chance of storing body fat. Or muscle. Or muscle. Yeah, or muscle, sorry, yeah. <laughs> you, you, from the photos I've seen, you're a bit of a stick figure back Skeleton, then. Skeleton, yeah. Yes. yes. Bit of a bit of a pencil, really. Mm. Definitely. So when when you sort of started to think to yourself, hey, righto, like I should put some effort in here and start to see what I can do about turning things around, where did you begin? Um, it took a lot of looking at myself uh, because up until that night with my friend, it was everyone else's fault. I had a lot of animosity towards my parents or my mum in particular. Uh, and I was blaming everyone else for the situation that I was in. Uh, and I had to sort of really take a look at myself and go, okay, th- there has been influences on my life that may have resulted in a shitty situation. But in the end, mm. the drug addiction and, and everything like that is all me. I... I've essentially put myself into that situation. Uh, and then from there, I just tried to tried to quit. I tried to be better. I tried uh, a couple of times I tried to go the whole hog and found out once again that it didn't work. Um, so then I started a process of um, one week I wouldn't have as much drugs or I wouldn't have drugs on this day or I wouldn't do this or I wouldn't do that. And... It was just three and a half years of trying to do things a different way until it until it worked. Huh. So there's some really good points there, Courtney. I think you'll agree with me on this one. Like the first step by the sounds of it here really is accepting responsibility. Yeah, I think accountability for your mistakes is 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 part of it because in in a way you have to <clears throat> excuse me. If like forgive yourself for those mistakes too, otherwise you really can't move on. I think also just accepting ownership of the situation because I, I think like Kana, you've touched on you've touched on something there that really does I think affect a lot of people 
in terms of being ready to move forward and, and embrace change is that they don't, they're unwilling to accept full ownership of the situation they're in. Yeah, 100%. It's, and you're, you're right. There are there are always outside influences. Like mm-hmm. every every single person that, like I think what you're saying came in terms of like a, a drug addiction, um, alcohol dependence. I'm not seeing that many that many dissimilarities here to say someone who is an emotional eater or a weekend binge eater, where uh, they there are it, things that occur that are influencing this behaviour. Yep. but you're not going to be able to have a chance of changing it until you go, you know what, I'm in control here. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think, I think, Kane, Kane your situation is obviously an extreme situation. <clears throat> oh, yeah. But, yes, I do agree that you can, the, the concept of taking ownership of your situation, no matter whether it's an extreme situation or not, is still relevant that, Unless you take ownership of what's happened or or your situation you're in, you really can't find a way to move forward. Yeah. So, uh, so taking what's that, Kana? People people that um uh like are addicted to food and stuff like that. Uh, it's no different to what a drug addiction is. It's still addiction, but mm-hmm. it's like obviously drugs are. Uh, labeled in society as really bad and they are essentially worse for your health but the bad food still is unhealthy and everything like that and until someone wants to change their physique or their body they as you guys said they have to take ownership for what they're doing and the situations are very similar addiction still addiction yeah i agree so you you sort of took ownership and took responsibility looking at yourself and then i think another point you've made here kane is really spot on is that you were working on things for years here. Right. So we're not talking like, like say, say in, our, in the industry that we work in, you know, the, the health and fitness and weight loss industry where we're so often promised, well, you know, six weeks, you'll be shredded. Yeah. You're talking, you're talking years here. Yep. Literally failed hundreds of times, but all I did was learn from my, my mistake. I pinpointed what went wrong and then I tried to do it a different way the next time or, or, you know, try. Yeah. Sorry, I was just gonna say. To me, that's not failure, then, is it? Because no. you've learned from the mistake. Yeah, definitely. It's so. I think the saying is, "Failure is just a what is it? It's gone out of my head. I like. I, <laughs> I like to say that your last mistake is your best teacher. Yeah, there you go. Perfect. And the only reason I know that is because I have a sign in the office here that says that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> But but I think that's a really good point that I think goes beyond beyond addiction when you talk about just the the topic of change and change as it relates to it in your case addiction but let's say for example in mine or Courtney's case you know changing changing our way of life from being people that would medicate through food mm-hmm. and be ruled by our emotions as such where this this change doesn't happen immediately no. it happens it happens through constant failure I guess you might say. But really, it's it's lessons yeah. learned. So you you were working on this for three to four years. At what point did you decide I'm going to get into exercise? Um, so I'd, I'd gone to the gym a few times with my mates, uh, and I was ridiculously weak. <laughs> uh, Nothing's changed, oh, come on, man. <laughs> um, but I, when I moved in with my brother, I started going to the gym with him quite regularly uh, and it really it really grabbed me like I really started liking it because I started seeing uh, improvements in my strength uh, I started eating food again well, regularly eating food uh, and I started seeing body changes happening so I started falling in love with it um, and it made focusing on changing my habits from being a drug addict to being normal um a lot easier once i got in the gym and i started doing uh, a bit of lifting and a bit of eating a lot of eating <laughs> so you would say that um weight training by well, sounds of it then weight training was what you really got into when you were first introduced into the gym yeah and there are <laughs> i can't think of anything better to be introduced to in the gym because of how effective weight training is on on whatever you know physical goals we have be it weight loss weight gain yep. whatever so a very, very good good place to be introduced to. Did you find that 
So you like you you were a person that really didn't eat much at all. And you've then started going to the gym, you started lifting weights, you've sort of, I suppose you'd say, picked up yep. the bug of lifting weights, which it, it does it does get a little bit addictive in a way when you start to feel yourself improving. Did your appetite start to sort of present itself where it's like, shit, I'm just getting hungry now? Uh, not straight away. No. Just Yep. How did, how did it happen? Uh, it took... So once, once I got to the stage where... Uh, so when I was lifting and I was still drinking and taking drugs very lightly, um, mm-hmm. it didn't... My hunger didn't really come back that much. But once I got fully clean and I got to the stage where I was like, okay, I'm taking such little drugs now, I can stop everything and I reckon I'll be all right. Um, I went through a couple of months of, uh, I suppose they were withdrawals where like I was shaky and my eyes were shaky. Mm. I couldn't sleep. Um, And I had, when I did sleep, I had these really intense, vivid dreams that would wake me up in like cold sweats and stuff. Um, once I sort of got over that stage, then my hunger started coming back um, and, it, and it came on very strong. Like it, it was pretty intense. I went from like eating, you know, one or two meals a day to eating like five or six within a couple of weeks, just my body. Wow. I don't, I don't know. It just, I just got really hungry, but it wasn't until I guess everything was out of my system um, that it, it happened. Um, mm. Almost sounds like a fuel shift. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Like my, my body was essentially starting to heal itself and it's like, okay, I need food to do that. So <laughs> give it to me. Mm. Yeah. The, the interesting thing here as well, the, another, another sort of good point that comes out of this Kano is that you didn't force this. No. So you didn't, you didn't, you, know, you sort of were weaning yourself off the drugs and the alcohol rather than just going the, you know, the classic all or nothing approach, which tends to end in nothing. So often you, you sort of weaned yourself off over time, gradually, I suppose you'd say what, you know, reducing, reducing the the volume that you were having Mm -hmm. until it got to the stage where you were comfortable going, you know what, I'm going to have a crack now at uh, at none of it. Yeah, definitely. So it was the way I kept looking at it, like, uh, the past life that I was in was scaring the shit out of me so much that I just going back there was not an option. So I kept trying to go forward. And if it took me, you know, 10 years to get clean, then that's such a small part of the rest of my life to get to the stage that I want to be at. That is so well said. And like, here's a, uh, Courtney, back me up on this one. Like how rare is it for someone to even have that sort of a long term approach? long-term mindset with things well it's very rare especially coming from where Kane was coming from but just in general it's very rare to have that clarity to know that but I think I think everything that Kane went through in the lead up to that like correct me if I'm wrong Kane but everything you went up into the lead up of that proved to you that that was the way to go see you tried to do the all or nothing thing and realized it didn't work um and that happens a lot I think Matt um, where people will try the all or nothing thing first because they see it as the um, the fastest and best and easiest way to go and then realise that it's not. Um, and I think that you have to sometimes go through that mistake to then realise, okay, I've got to go through this slow and steady process. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think there's any issues in, in making mistakes. I think mistakes are a, an essential part of the process. The problem I always have is not learning mm. from them. So to me... And how often do it, like the three of us, how often do we see this in the, the line of work that we, we work in where people will constantly go back to try the all or nothing approach and not learn the lesson of, shit, I keep having to attempt this. Why? Yeah, yeah. Like at what stage, at what stage do you go, um, this approach isn't working for me? So I think there's a massive credit there to yourself still, Kano, just for, for having that sort of long-term mindset because it is indeed rare. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, so that's, that's really awesome. So yeah, you're, you're, you're lifting weights. You, you've started weaning yourself off, off the gear and your body is naturally replacing it with a desire for food. Mm-hmm. 
which in turn obviously heals your body more. In the case of you going to the gym, as we know, improves performance, improves recovery, improves strength, improves body composition, improves physique, et cetera, et cetera. What was this doing for your mental state and your your self-confidence at the time? Oh, it was ridiculous. Uh, I So when I started getting off, off drugs and I started trying mm. to get better, that's when things got hard. You know, the... the the before life, the all the drugs and the, the childhood and that, that's what I was used to. When I started trying to get better, that's when things got hard. That's when things in what way? Well, it was confusing. I didn't know what I was doing or what I was going into. I was scared of where it would end up. Uh, and yeah, just I had to start taking responsibility for like uh, work. I had to pay rent. I had to do all these things that I'd never really done in the past. Uh, I had to go and try and sort out a lot of uh, legal issues that I had that kept popping up from when I was off my head and I've done things and I can't remember them. Um, so, yeah, things got difficult. You had to be an adult. Uh, yeah, it can be it can be scary when you've got to be an adult very hmm. quickly. So what... Um, where things go, like you're in the gym, you're changing, you're improving, etc. Where do things go from there? Sorry, you broke up a bit there, man. Sorry. Um, when you're you're in the gym, you're starting to change, you're improving, your confidence is yep. growing. Where do things go from there? Um, I moved out of my brother's house uh, and moved up to Port Hedland and started working up there just to make some money so I could put myself through my Cert 3 and 4 in personal training. Um, yeah, just quickly, where's Port Hedland for uh, geographically challenged people? Uh, Perth, top end of uh, top end of Western Australia, is it? Yep. Right, right up the top. It's like thirty-eight degrees every day. It was terrible. <laughs> so we're we're all currently in Melbourne, Australia. So literally the other side of the country. Yeah. Sort of mining town, isn't it, Kane? Yeah, yeah. I was. Trying to get into the mines there, but yeah. um, I got in with a concreting company and um, was working for them. Yep. Um, I worked six six months there, I think, around there. Um, and then how old were you then? Uh, this was around twenty five. And it was just... so not that long ago. Yeah, around, around about twenty five. Yeah. And it was just from your Sorry, love Courtney. of going to the gym that you decided that you wanted to be a PT? Yeah, yeah. So I I knew that I loved uh, lifting. I, I love food. Um, and I wanted to do something in that, that field. Uh, so I went and got my – once I got back from Port Hedland, uh, I went and got my Cert 3 and 4. Uh, and the great thing was that the mate that told me that he didn't want to hang out with me anymore – uh, we actually reconnected and he did the PT cert with me. So oh, cool. I, yeah. I don't know whether... I didn't know that. That's fantastic. Yeah. I didn't know that either. It's pretty awesome. Like he drove me from... I, I was living with him as well. Uh, so I moved in with him. Um, and he was driving us from Cranbourne to the city once a week to go do our cert in person. This is here in Melbourne. Nice. Yep. Um, I don't know whether he did it because he wants to be a PT or whether he was supporting me, but either way, it was awesome. Um, either way, it helped. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and then from there, I once I got my cert, um, I applied for so many jobs uh, as a PT. And I think the reason I had to apply for so many is I was pretty honest about my past and my history. Uh, and not a lot of gym owners would give me a chance. Um, and then I emailed uh, Ho Jose Thomas, as you guys, yep. and he gave me a chance, which was awesome. Um, and it was kind of funny, our first meeting, because I had to go see a police officer straight after the meeting with him to sort out legal issues that had popped up. And I walk, walked into our meeting and I was like, uh, how long is this taking? I've got to go see the police after this about some stuff. And he sort of looked at me like, this is not what you say in an interview. <laughs> yeah. Not awkward at all. No. But, um, 
yeah, me, me and Jose hit it off pretty quick. Um, we talked a lot. We trained together a lot. Um, and then, yeah, I started a mentorship under him, um, him and uh, Don Taylor. And then... What year was this? Oh, two, 2012 or 13. Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh, around there, my, my uh, time frames are always off but yeah um that's right yeah from there uh, i just started the normal pt grind <laughs> as we as we do yeah the, the six seven days a week 12 hour days at the gym um good times yeah never really pardon good times yeah <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah but if, if, in all honesty like the first Six months was fun because I was in the new career. I was, you know, uh, building my own business. I was doing stuff for me. I was uh, living outside my comfort zone, definitely. But um, mm. it was a lot of fun. And then after that six, first six months, it sort of, yeah, I started to not like the industry, not like myself again. Um, yeah, just was unhappy again. In what way? What, what way weren't you liking yourself? Well, I didn't because I was working so much and trying to build my clientele. Uh, I didn't have time really to work on myself or, sorry, to, to do the important things that I needed to change my own physique and my own health. Uh, mm. And that slipped quite a lot. Um, I was still training, uh, training excessively at amounts, but um, I wasn't eating the right foods. I wasn't preparing my meals. I wasn't wasn't doing the important stuff that was going to result in me being my own business card. What sort of training were you doing? How much? <laughs> uh, so I would do weights probably five times a week. Then I would yep. do cardio, you know, probably five, six times a week. Uh, I would yep. run, run up and down the 1,000 steps with 40-kilo weight vests on. Uh, hey. Yeah, so it was it was definitely north of about fifteen hours a week of training. Yep. You always and know, Kane, yeah. when you're going to say something bad because you giggle first. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're, you have this way yeah. of giggling right before you know you're going to say something that's not good. <laughs> yeah, I, I sort of go through it in my head first and giggle at myself, <laughs> and then giggle and say, "All right, I'm going to tell you how much exercise yeah. I was doing." <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's a it's a great level of self awareness though. So doing doing a, bu- a bucket load of training, and you said not eating much. Oh, I, I was eating a lot, but the wrong types of food. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. what the old the old trade off, using exercise as a trade off to eat whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So I was I was preparing meals and stuff, and I was eating, uh, what I thought was healthy back then, but then I was yep. also eating a lot of other stuff like on the weekends and if me and Lisa would go out somewhere, um, yeah, I would gorge myself on like pizzas and burgers and ice cream. I love ice cream. <laughs> you would, wouldn't have Don't known. Yeah. <laughs> wouldn't, wouldn't, wouldn't have known that personally. So um, where, where are you now with things? Uh, with, with my transformation? With with you internally, like well, I suppose, actually, the better question is: Have you had any relapses since becoming uh, a PT? The only relapse I had with drugs was when I was in Port Hedland. Uh, I had my birthday up there, and I started drinking with all the guys up there, and I got really, really drunk. And I woke up in the morning, and I could taste that I'd had something. Uh, what birthday was this? Oh, twenty. 25th or 26th yep Yep. yeah so that was Um, before you did your pt course yeah so uh, well i woke up that morning and i could taste that i had something i'd had something it's a very distinctive taste um and i pretty much the next day walked into the the boss of the company i was working for and i he knew my past and i said listen i need to leave um, I've had a had a relapse. Can you put me off and send me home? And he's like, "Yeah." So, any any relapses since becoming a PT? 
No. No. None. What do you think what do you think has kept you away from it? Uh definitely my love for lifting. Uh I I know if lifting in the life that I've got now uh, is so much better than back then. Um, and even to this day, that, that life still scares me and it's still driving me to keep going forward. So I suppose you're sort of moving away from it, really. Yeah, moving away from the hurt. Yeah, that makes total, that makes complete sense. I And I wouldn't mind getting the opinion of you guys with me on this one. I look at a lot of people's goal settings. People are either moving towards a source of pleasure or moving away from a source of pain. Yeah, 100%. So with yourself, Kano, you're still moving away from that source of pain, which I can personally relate to because uh, it's obviously very fresh in your head mm-hmm. still because it's most of your life. Yeah. So where are things now in terms of you, your life, your, your, your mental health, your physical health? Like, What's the picture of you right now? Uh, things are bloody awesome. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> to sum it up, uh, my, my biggest thing now with me, uh, as you would know, is complacency um, because I'm in such a good position with life, my relationship, my training, my everything that I, it's like, I'm, I'm like, oh, okay, I'm, I'm in such a great position. I don't need to do anymore. Like I've, I've achieved my goal. Mm. Get what I mean? Um, yep. Complacency affects a lot of people. Yeah. It's it's my but biggest what, killer. What the, and that will put this in mind too. Um, I think Courtney would be would be in your sort of uh, your area as well as like a, a major potential weakness. I think it affects almost everybody at certain points. Like in certain areas, they have the ability, you have the ability to, to pull your foot off the pedal. Yeah, I think I think it's normal. But um, in what way is life awesome now, though, Kano? Uh, I have a awesome partner, Lisa. Uh, yes, you we, do. Yes, we, you do. Yeah, she's she's definitely the the brains of the operation, <laughs> and the looks. Um, definitely the looks <laughs> and, the muscle, and the muscles. Oh come on, man. <laughs> um, <laughs> we we live together. Uh, we work together. We do everything together. I've got a kick-ass business where instead of working 12 hours a day, six, seven days a week, I work four hours a week. Um, I'm, yeah, my training and my nutrition uh, is unbelievable. I train, what, less than less than four and a half hours a week now. Uh, mm. And I eat, eat massive amounts of food, which is yes, you do. awesome. Yes, you do. Two of the things yeah. you love, yep. Yeah, to lifting and eating. We can talk yep. about cardio. But... <laughs> but who wants to do that? <laughs> so we won't yeah. talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> a, a necessary evil. Yes. Uh, I, I have, though, uh, over the last six months, made a big effort to get good at things that, I'm, that I don't like or that I'm not good at, and cardio is one of them. So um, I'm accepting it now, not... Not liking it, but well, accepting it. <laughs> well done. It does actually take uh, a fair bit of strength to make the choice to work on the things that we either don't enjoy, or we're not very good at. Mm-hmm. So I can I can applaud that. And you 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 mentioned your partner Lisa. I think it's worth just pointing out at, at this stage of, of the chat just how important it is having the right people around you. Oh, definitely. I, I wouldn't be a PT it, today. And uh, yeah, I think as well with you. Sorry, Kano, I was just gonna say you look at you look at your life. Yep. Like it, it, it can be so well defined by the people you've been surrounded with. Yeah, definitely. Yep. Having good friends and you, having uh go for it. Oh sorry, I was gonna say the you know, you you've made your choices, but the choices are easier to make with the right people lifting you up rather than holding you down. Yeah, definitely. Hundred percent. Lisa and and friends around me and, and you guys as well have supported me through uh so much over the years and before that I had a good uh, group of friends that I used to lean on quite a lot uh, going through my recovery so Mm. having that support network there and actually using the support network not just having it there and not using it uh, because it's useless if you don't use it Um, uh, yeah the 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 importance of a support network like I, I don't think we can possibly overstate how critical it is for all of us. Yeah. You agree, Courtney? Absolutely. I would agree. 
I think that any time that you can lean on people, because as we spoke about earlier, you're always going to potentially fall into that comfort zone area where you take the foot off the pedal. And that's also where you need that support for somebody to, sometimes they need to kick you in the ass and say, what are you doing? So it, it sort of, you need a support network in two sides often. So I, I suppose, Kano, what would your reaction be to someone that would say to you, oh, it's okay, I can do this by myself? <laughs> Definitely not. Uh, why would you struggle and and potentially go forwards and then backwards, forwards, backwards for for years and years if you can find someone who's in a position that you're in, that you want to be in, and get them to teach you how to do it? I think it even just extends beyond that. I think it also extends to who we who we hang around with in our personal time like you you mentioned your partner lisa yeah like as, as long as i've known you guys like she's been absolute rock for you yeah she has definitely when i and fall apart she's she's always good there's a lot to be said about having having your significant other be someone there who is you know like no one is perfect but they're lifting you up and they you know when we all fall down at times mm-hmm. and uh I, I i do think a, a lot of any, any of us that have success in our life, like there's always someone that's behind us propping us up, you almost might say. Yeah, definitely. To, to help us keep going forward. And I think Lisa's definitely that for you. Uh-huh. And it's it's a little bit vice versa as well. <laughs> a little bit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, there, there'll, be, there'll be some there. And we'll, um, yeah, we're looking forward to chatting with Lisa. Mm-hmm. So what's um what's the future hold for you in terms of like you've, you've done something that, you know, I don't know these statistics. I'm, I'm far from an expert on on drug addiction. My addictions are always food and alcohol, but not many people do what you've done. Mm-hmm. Like that's very clear. So, in your mind, what does the future hold for you in terms of you know your your personal growth? Where where you where do you, well, where do you want to be five ten years from now? Like what's Kane look like ten years from now? Uh, fully structured online business. And hopefully with one or two kids running around. Oh, <laughs> little canes. He just dropped the magic K word. Canes. Yeah, that's uh canes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um so our our business uh runs better when we when we focus more on our online part of it. Uh and Lisa wants to travel and I wanna I've never really wanted to travel, but I want to travel with her. So we're structuring the business so we can travel and still work while we're traveling. Uh, And then when we get back from doing whatever we're doing, uh, I'd like to start a family. I've always, always, that's that's awesome. I've I've always wanted kids. Um, I want to give them the chances that I never had in life. It's the same with my brother. He's, he's got a, a little family going now and he's always said that he wants to give them the chances that we never had so amazing so what do you what do you think the plan is for you moving forward in terms of continuing to move away from your past like uh how do you how do you go about these days avoiding being in in situations that might be tempting you might say well it's it's interesting that talk about this because I think I'm, I'm pretty much at a stage now where um, I'm not worried about that anymore like being in a really? situation where, where, there, where there's drugs or anything because it's happened a few times now where I've been around it and even though it, it's sort of off-putting and I'm like oh you know it's that fear of slipping up is not there do you get what Why I mean like it's well, I just I I think I'm in such a good position now, and I love where I'm at. That any chance of slipping up is just not going to happen because <laughs> I don't want to go back to where I was. Uh, and more to the point, like the only the only way that I could see myself slipping up would be if I was drinking excessively and and someone offered me something. But I only drink pretty much once a year now so it's the chances of that happening are very slim i think this also like tell me if i'm wrong and i wouldn't mind your opinion here too courtney it sounds like you're getting to the stage where this the lifestyle that you've you've sort of uh put yourself into and have been developing is becoming more normal 
Yeah, definitely. Mm. Yeah. And it's I, helping you move re- further away from where you came from. Yeah. I, I reach out uh, to a lot of um, recovering addicts and I try and explain what I've done and where I'm at now and how good it is, but it's, and I can understand where they're coming from because they can't uh, see the forest from the trees. They, they're in such, they're in that bad position where I was that they can't see uh, like the light at the end of the tunnel, like you said before. Mm. Yeah, that's that. Yeah, I've seen that with um, overweight people that I've spoken to yeah. over the years. That uh, you often you've got to be ready to to face the unknown, which is pretty scary. Yeah, definitely. But I think uh, like you told me, but it sounds like really just as as your new lifestyle has gradually developed over the years, you've pretty much gone about re- replacing in a good way, you know, drugs and alcohol and and those sort of bad habits with positive habits that have changed you inside and out. Yeah, I I did definitely just swap one addiction for another. <laughs> <laughs> except the new except the new one has uh, has rewards. A world of benefits. Benefits, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I reckon Kano, like you're the, the the progress you've made internally has been staggering. Like I don't know what word you'd use, Courtney, but it's one of the best I've yeah. ever seen. I don't think there is a word for it, to uh, be honest. Uh, let's just agree, fucking awesome. Yeah. <laughs> okay, as a, as a technical words. term, but also it's it, yeah, true that uh, hyphenated, hyphenated. So <laughs> the the physical change as well, Kane. Like you, you look a lot different to when you when you were at your at your lowest. Yep. So you've made a hell of a change from a from a total transformation perspective. What five top transformation tips would you give to someone starting off? What are your five best you know, w- you know tips of wisdom? Um, for me, and and I, I still tell all my clients to do this, and everyone that I talk to, start out slow uh, and work on one thing at a time. Like uh, you can't do everything at once, or else it becomes overwhelming. Uh, yeah. Um, number two, <laughs> definitely lift weights. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's uh, a no-brainer. The the amount of benefits that come from more muscle is like there's so many you can't name them all. Uh, three, eat food um, that tastes good. That's going to help you perform better, have more energy, and also transform your body. Um, these meal replacement shakes and diets and stuff that are in our industry at the moment that none of them work uh number four be persistent like keep keep trying even when you when you stuff things up and you you don't get it right just do what i did and identify where you went wrong and try and do it better next time uh and number five something that i struggle with a lot these days is consistency and not getting complacent and taking my foot off the pedal mm. so what would you what would you recommend to someone that does find they struggle with complacency <laughs> reach out to someone and ask for their help that's what i did i got uh complacent in a very big way uh and i reached out to you and also paul crib and um you guys got me back on the straight and narrow and focusing on what i need to focus on in the business and life a lot to be said about support networks again yep. Mm. Well, that's fantastic. Um, what, what, do you, what do you say to that, Courtney? Any any sort of final comments or questions? For no, Kana? I don't think I've got any questions. I just every time I hear the, your story, Kane, it just it still blows my mind. So I don't think you can say great job and and congratulations enough. Like I just don't even think that that means anything really anymore. But. So, so what you're saying is, well, well done, mate. Keep it up. I don't Doesn't know. I just don't it. think it really cuts it, but it's the only thing I can say, really. So you've you've done yeah. awesome, and you will continue to do awesome. I I would say from from my perspective, like I've you know, been around a, a lot of people uh, in, in my time. Like I think it's one of the best stories I've ever seen, and that's not just me saying it because Kane and I are friends. That is legitimately the truth. Because when I say this, just got awkward. <laughs> yeah, he, he also he also just got five more cardio sessions. Each week. Oh no! 
but it's um it's it's one of the best stories I've ever seen, bar none. Just because, like, but you know, as I always say, Kano, like, you probably should be dead or in prison. Yeah, hundred percent. The fact that you are not is uh, a testament to your character. And Thank you. I think, I think, I think there's, you know, what we talk about role models, like you're a legitimate role model. That I, I hope that people that are struggling with with any forms of addiction can you know, find a way to reach out to you in the future because it's you, you sort of have blazed a trail for people to potentially follow mm. themselves. Thank you. Because it's it's I think it's hard to say to yourself, oh, it can't be done when there's evidence it actually can be. Yeah. So in, in closing, well done, mate. Keep it up. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, I reckon we'll uh we'll yeah, we'll we'll wrap this up. So Kane, thanks for joining us. Thank you very much for having me, guys. It's been an absolute pleasure and slightly painful, but that's okay. <laughs> and uh, now I'll hit the stop button. And that is a wrap on our interview with Kane. Yes. We hope you got a heap out of that. Uh, we obviously, Matt and I obviously shared our, what we, sort of our takeaways uh, before the interview started. So we'd love to hear your takeaways from that. Whether- Absolutely. Shoot us an email, please. Podcast at theweightlosspodcast.com. Let us know what you've got out of the interview with Kane. We've been getting really, really good feedback on our interviews so far, and we really appreciate it, and we would love to get more. So podcast at theweightlosspodcast.com is where you can, should, and you will email us. Yes. And... And might give a quick little shout out where if you want to have a bit of an interaction with Kane, come over and join our Facebook group. Yes. Kane is a very active member in our Facebook group and is always happy to share his story and his insights and the wisdom that he's learned. Answer through, questions yep. and yeah. And I might also add it's experience and wisdom learned through struggle and adversity. Yeah. Which is funny enough how that tends to happen. So Come and join us at our Facebook group. Uh, you'll find a link to the group on our website, totaltransformations. No, that's the that's the group name. That's the group name. What am I doing? So you would go to our website as in What's the, the website address, Courtney? Please save my butt here. Theweightlosspodcast.com. Dot com. So you can go to the show notes page for this episode exactly and there will be some are we gonna put Kane's photos up there as yes. well Kane's photos will be on the show notes page absolutely so it'll give you a bit of a context in what we're talking about in terms of his physical transformation one of the photos you'll see of him is back in his uh his heyday you might say and he does yes. not look good at all no where now yeah the, as you said at the start could the photos speak for themselves yes. but the show notes page will have Kane's pretty impressive transformation photos and you can then come and join us at our Facebook group. Yes, Which absolutely. is called Total Transformations. Which is called Total Transformations. On Facebook. So get in on the action. Come and hang out with Kane. Come and hang out with Courtney. And maybe come and hang out with me. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> so with that, we're going to call it a show. Yes. Hope you've really got a lot out of this. Uh, if not, well, blame Kane. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Hope you're enjoying the series so far. We yes. still have a few interviews to go in this series yeah we've got some more to come so Uh, don't worry it's not wrapping up yet not quite yet we've got some more to go so same time same channel next week have a good one bye are you ready to share your success head over to our website for full access to our show notes resources based on today's topic and links to our facebook group so you can share your story with our hosts and many others out there who are looking to achieve and maintain their health and fitness goals you can find all that and more exclusively at theweightlosspodcast.com.